0: Hi there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. Well, I am here with Chris Monder, and um, you may, some of you who have been listening, recognize him from last week's podcast where he talked about his love for video games and some of the changing landscape of that and, and address even some of the stigmas to that. And um, as we were talking, it seemed like we had a whole nother episode there. And so um, it's not about video games today. We're going to talk about public speaking um, because Chris shared that that's, he's interested in video games, but public speaking is a, is another close um, a love in your life. Maybe that's fair to say, is that, um, is that ring true to you, Chris? Publix, well, ab- absolutely, it that way?
1: Michelle, and thank you for having me again. Uh, very excited to be here this morning as we as we researched a little bit for your previous episode and just thinking about all the very interesting messages that have been present on your podcast previously. I thought, hey, what's what's something I enjoy, have enthusiasm towards that uh, maybe maybe carries a little bit of a, uh, a unique aspect to it. I think something often associated with dread and fear that is no less important in our in our daily and professional lives, uh, that being public speaking. So I'm excited to talk a little bit about it today.
0: Yeah. So what what got you interested in it? Like, have you always wanted to do it since you were a little kid?
1: I really haven't. I was a very shy kid. Okay. I was extremely shy. Kind of kid that would, you know, hide behind their parents when I had started walking and uh, didn't have any, any siblings in the house with me. Uh, spent a lot of time. Uh, you know growing up in a fairly quiet household i would say to put it frankly and through high school that really that really carried on and um, i think I, I i you know i started to notice um, maybe a little bit how my classroom presentations were received a little bit later in, in high school from from peers from from teachers and uh, got into a couple of things there in an extracurricular fashion with with school and and then translating into college you know i Continue to to really just goof around a little bit more. Some of the classroom presentations, certainly um, in a in a college atmosphere, uh, but also just uh, just enjoying it and probably putting a little bit too much pressure on myself. Whenever something like that would come up with friends or or in school, I would put uh, a lot of preparation into a complete verbatim uh, memorization of whatever I was going to be presenting on. Which which frankly is is probably a little too anxiety-ridden for a lot of people and I think a lot of folks do that when they're preparing for a for a public speaking engagement but Michelle um as I as I started working and uh, now having been out of college for about 14 years uh, in my career I I started to appreciate public speaking at times as voluntary and now much more important and intrinsic to my role in, in my company but as a unique differentiator um, for for myself, frankly, to you know benefit my career, get to know people in different ways, and um, and also help to I think diversify my my role in a in a professional environment beyond just the, the basic responsibilities of my day to day. Of course, we've all heard the the old saying that um, on on several surveys, more people are af- uh, afraid of public speaking than their own death. So
0: right, um, yeah, it's so... And, and it's
1: a real thing.
0: It's it's scary. Yeah, I think I, I definitely am not comfortable with it. Even just doing this podcast where I'm, you know, I know it's some form of it, but it's I, I feel different that it's not in front of a live audience. I'll be honest. Um, I'm curious when you were talking about before when you would write out everything verbatim. Did that just help your comfort level when you did it that way? And do you still do it that way? Or um, kind of how did that evolve?
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't comfortable with the risk associated with having to uh, improvise live during any form of presentation. And I felt that that uh, there would be more caution involved in, in over preparation. But it turns out public speaking is just like everything else in life. Uh, that repetition breeds not only extended confidence, but just just your ability to be comfortable speaking to different forms of people. It's something that Uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm given a business talk, I'll use a teleprompter at times today. I do enjoy a teleprompter, but, uh, in smaller settings, um, or, or, you know, fun outdoor settings say it's an auction with a couple of hundred people. Um, I'll just, I'll just completely improvise. And it's, it's, it's a sense of comfort. I, I would say, uh, today, I'm more comfortable talking to five or more people than I am talking to five or less people. I have more difficulty with one-on-one conversations than I do with with group conversations. And huh. and, and why, so that why I, uh,
0: why do you think that's interesting?
1: I think there's a sense of uh, cohesiveness with a with a group of people that takes on a completely different identity than individuals, and, and it probably harkens back to just the social element that that makes us uniquely human. But I think. I think people are uh, more more direct, opinionated, probably frankly more genuine in some ways in in smaller settings, and I think most people are comfortable having a discussion with three or four people as opposed to a to a greater amount of people. But I think when you when you start to get into more of a group setting, Michelle, um, I think a a large amount of individuals takes on a completely different identity.
0: Huh. Can you can you say more about that? Do you feel like depending on different, and I want to hear more about different places that you've recorded and things like that. But that's so interesting to me. Like, can you feel an energy from a group before you get started, or as you're as you're talking to a group? Is that what you mean?
1: Completely, completely. I think the larger the audience, even I would argue, um, the more the more completeness uh, I feel. I, I think it almost takes on this this sort of you know amoebic whole looking out into the group. Seeing the emotional flow, it's all completely interconnected. I feel like I'm no longer speaking to individuals. I'm I'm speaking to a single entity that is yeah. much different than a than a single human being. And I think many of the elements that people are nervous about when it comes to preparing and executing public speaking are actually positives. I think they're they're entirely positives. So just a couple that that come to mind off the top of my head, Michelle. I think embarrassment. Um, And and putting oneself out there are are certainly larger fears. Uh, But in fact, what I've found is that uh, people in the audience don't want to become embarrassed for the person on stage. They sort of are carrying their own sense of courage and anxiety with that speaker on stage and they want them to succeed. Oh, that's so true. They want to see them succeed.
0: As you Um, said that, I'm like, I felt that. and I never put it into words. Yeah. Oh, Or that feeling like if you hear someone with like a guitar, like a solo guitar, and maybe they're not, you're just like, oh, I hope it goes well.
1: (laughs) Now we're speaking on averages here. Of course, there will always be those grinches out in the audience. But by and large, I think people want to root for the individual that is putting themselves out there. Yeah. I love thinking
0: about that because it's almost like it's so vulnerable. We all know it takes courage. And sometimes I'm up there thinking, gosh, I'm glad it's not me. (laughs)
1: I mean, right, I don't right. know that,
0: and you're. So I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You're almost like, wow, look at this person. Like in a way, almost taking one for the team, being up there, and and then wanting them to succeed. Because deep down, we're like, I think they could probably do it better than me, and maybe that's. I don't mean to be like putting myself down, but be, to what you said before about a lot of people don't view public speaking as a strength for themselves. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Embarrassment is almost like yawning. You, you often find yourself yawning when someone else does. And in much the same way, I think embarrassment is completely contagious for the individual that is in the position to become embarrassed. Yeah, And, and everyone else in that space that's paying attention is, is going to feel that. And as a result, I, I think by and large, Uh, Want you to succeed? That benefits the speaker by giving your content um, a a very different, a very different type of audience. I think the common denominator for what would be found inventive, clever, or funny in a small group setting is, uh, is is frankly, more acceptable in in a large group setting. I I think a, a lot of things that would almost be fairly pedestrian when talking to one or two people, especially those you you may know very well. Um, yeah, are, are elevated in a, mm-hmm. in a large group setting. And I think the audience gives a more positive reaction overall potentially than, than again, that, that one to two person dynamic. And you know, kind of, kind of related to that, Michelle, um, I think we're our own toughest critics. And it's mm-hmm. because of that preparation that we discussed a little earlier in the call. When we prepare a speech, we spend so much time not only thinking about the content that will eventually go into the speech, but also rolling it over in our heads in the days Mm -hmm. leading up to the speech. And so when you start to see something over and over again, especially something you've created yourself, I mean, think about how often in life you repeat something uh, within the span of a few days. It doesn't happen very often. Most people don't start the same Netflix show after they've finished it. Most people don't uh, start the same work item after they've turned it into their boss. No, you move on to the next thing, but it's different with speeches. As the speaker and the preparer, you constantly roll it over in your mind. And so you think, gosh, this could be better. You think this is this could be better. This isn't good enough. The closer right. you actually get, ironically, to the speech. However, the audience, they've never heard any of this before. Mm-hmm. They're hearing it for the very first time. So again, you're in a position of command. And the mm-hmm. audience is there to receive your message in a very positive manner.
0: Wow. And thinking of that, if you can... I mean, it still seems scary to me, but if if you can think about that, it feels, I could imagine it feels like, wow, here's this group that was really rooting me on instead of the things in my head or anyone's head that might be like, oh, they're going to think I'm stupid. Oh, what if, it's, it's almost the exact opposite, really. It is,
1: it is. It really is the exact opposite. Now, repetition is always, fortunately or unfortunately, going to be key. Um, I, I found it becoming so much more engaging, um, and interesting for me over time, especially as the frequency of public speaking opportunities is increased, I used to get butterflies all the time. Yeah, I, I probably didn't stop getting butterflies until maybe one to two years ago, but it was a constant for me, this, this this nervousness, knowing that it would go well, but the uncertainty and the judgment of my peers were complete strangers that I'd never met before. I think that's just something so naturally human, uh, right. but as your opportunities increase and and we can talk about a little bit of some of those opportunities later on the, on the podcast. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to find different ways, I suppose, to, to take on, um, different, different types of public speaking. And so in no particular order, um, I travel to a, to a variety of universities and, and present both in the classroom and in a larger conference hall setting, which we'll talk about different types of audiences maybe a little bit too, but that's a, yeah. that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother area when you're speaking to folks that are in that 18 to 22 year age group. Um, it's, it's, that's it's where I think I'd be the most scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, head. and it's completely different. It's completely different than other types uh, different types of workshop trainings for, uh, for my work. So uh, this would be 20 to 30 people in a room in a circular table setting. And a lot of movement from the speaker is is really valued. So I teach a, a leadership and teamwork four-hour workshop in Omaha. And I'll teach four of these four, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, four of these four-hour iterations over a two-day period. And so there's a lot of walking around the room and citing discussion um, being able to have an ongoing dialogue with a large amount of people, and it's it's again an entirely different uh, animal. And then uh, to a to a large extent, we have district and annual meetings as a company. So uh, myself and others will give speeches to um, anywhere from three hundred to five hundred people at once. And uh, and I've chaired had the chance to chair the last three years of of our district meeting. Um, and some of that now virtually you know over the last year and a half having uh 75 or 100 people join a teams call is is sort of another category in and of itself and then on more of the on more of the uh, extracurricular side different company events um whether it be uh you know impressions or a little bit of stand up at a at a golf tournament as well as uh, as an auction um I've been auctioneering a little bit uh Completely unprofessionally for for the last three or four years, um, so which fun. is a which is a whole lot of fun. And uh, certain events, certain events uh, in the evening, um, that uh, that might involve just sort of not taking yourself too seriously and taking some coworkers, you know, imitating them, putting them into strange situations, just putting together nothing more professional than a PowerPoint presentation for about an hour and a half, coming up with some content and just trying to get the room to, to enjoy themselves uh, a little bit. And uh, well, and, uh, kind of if a, I
0: can say kind of where I got introduced to your public speaking was, um, you used to work with my husband and you would be the MC for the Christmas party. And yeah. uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. You are so funny. Like my husband and I would just like stare at you thinking, how can he just, and, and I could tell none of it was rehearsed, at least in that setting. Um, obviously a much Less formal, but still a work event. But you are so funny, and I—I uh, I mean, has humor. And I don't want to derail, kind of where you were co- where you were going next. But like, I feel like I can't say that without bringing up your humor because you are so funny.
1: Well, I don't really know what to say to that, but thanks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humor is very underutilized. There's there's this kind of cohesive pressure in a business setting to maybe move forward to the next regimented item on the syllabus. And especially yeah. if one's manager is around or, you know, something to that degree, but um, well-timed, well-timed humor can improve the situation. You know, saying something completely off base that doesn't take you away from the topic, but just gives mm-hmm. people a little bit of a mental reprieve can, and I think add a lot of levity. And then as you mentioned, yeah, if there's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, event, uh, in the evening or what have you, or a golf tournament during the day and everyone's enjoying a little alcohol. I think everyone sounds funny anyway, but thanks for the That's compliment. True. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true. There, That might've helped too, but really you, you, you have such a way of commanding the room and people were like all ears. It was just, I mean, I can't even exactly remember what you were saying, but the feeling in the room was like, this guy's on a roll. <laughs> so and maybe I don't know if it was the wine, but I, I don't think it was all the wine. <laughs> um, Well, can you, you were kind of going through all the the different things and I sort of interrupted there, but were there other, um, you've done a good job of highlighting all the things recently that you've done just to take it back a little bit. Did you, so did this all kind of start in your professional life? I mean, you alluded a little bit to college, you know, doing a little bit more, but I guess, was there a middle step? Like, how did you? Where? When did you get to the point where you're like, "Oh, I can actually do this, and I think I have a, I like it, and I want to keep doing it."
1: You know, just just finding a way to try to be included, um, helping out, whether it's preparing for a training, maybe something a little bit more dry, take something that would conceivably be thought of as boring, and inject a little history or humor into it, and then find a way to get the point across, hopefully. And w- whether you're in a smaller Group setting or in a larger setting, just make it worthwhile. Make it worthwhile for the people in attendance, and I think over the course of time, you know, if, if, if you if you keep up that level of interest, you'll you'll find more and different opportunities, and ultimately, not only conquer your fear, but turn it into a tool that sets you apart from the pack. Um, right. I, I think having having that diversification in your work and in personal environment can um, can make you that much more likely to succeed broadly as a as a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, sure. And I would imagine things like your leadership training or other I mean, it's it no matter how good a speaker is, three or four hours on any subject, people get tired. And I, I imagine your ability to inject timely humor helps your helps people to get the most out of what you're presenting that's real work. You know what I'm saying? It's probably keeps the keeps people in a more of an attentive state.
1: Yeah, sitting on the airplane after four-hour speeches, you, you you have muscles that are tired that you didn't even know existed. It kind of yeah. makes you realize how, how fragile people can really be. But uh, you talk about people, and to me, that's really the last category. I love working with other people on talks. Uh, for, for about three years, we did sort of an abbreviated form of TED Talks um at our at our district meetings called ignite speeches some of you may have heard of those and they're anywhere from a 1 to 5 minute speech about something very impactful to the person that they that they believe in and so i would work each year with 15 different speakers to eventually present in front of their peers in order to accomplish exactly what we're talking about today is you know turning this ability into a into a strength for you moving ahead in your life
0: mhm Wow, what was the feedback you got from other? I guess toot your horn a little bit. Like, have people given you feedback on what was? It? I imagine it'd be you'd be such a great person to do a project like that with.
1: Well, I got some great advice as we were starting because my um, my knee jerk reaction was to sort of. Was to sort of load the dice a little bit and choose the people I thought would be the best speakers from around our company. Sure. <laughs> the first year, I yeah. wanted it to go well, I and, and got some great advice from from one of my mentors. That uh, you know, he, he said, "Hey, the mercenaries will always defeat the draftees, but the volunteers will crush them both." And sure enough, I found some very surprising people that volunteered to an open entry request that first year, and in the consecutive years that followed, people that I never would have expected. I would volunteer to to give a speech in front of the entire company and working with them to craft a message that they were passionate about you know rehearsing in the in the months that followed uh, to me I think benefited all of us it's it's just such an exciting it's such an exciting idea to to work with someone to ultimately realize that form of execution
0: yeah when, when you were talking before about that whole like butterflies in your stomach thing, I mean, that's, I think, again, that's something very universal. And, you know, I've, I get that with different things too. Um, and I've been curious just for myself about this idea of like, how much of that is nervous versus how much of that is excitement. And I'm just kind of throwing that out there to say, to see what you think about that. And has that evolved and changed for you? Because um, I'd love to hear what you say about that.
1: You're right. I, everyone gets it. Um, a, a wise man, Simon LeBond from the band Duran Duran, says that the butterflies are actually adrenaline, and it's a it's a science your body telling you that it's time to to act and you're going to do well. It's not anxiety. It's it's adrenaline, and it's it's time to go out there and you know do a do a great job. But I that's what you know. I think how we ultimately consider these these things probably predicates a lot of our, of our success. Um, it, it, it's all how you choose to adopt a certain point of perspective and, and, and ultimately be successful and not just public speaking, but so much of our lives. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that totally makes sense if, if we were better at saying, wow, look at, I got this feeling in my stomach. I must be like, so amped up to do this. Right. And, and like, look what I get to do compared to like, Ugh, this is going to suck. And I'm going to be humiliated. Like it's, to- it's a hundred percent different. It's, it's exact opposite.
1: So Michelle, what, uh, what public speaking experiences do you have? Maybe both, both good and bad. What sort of impression do you have of it?
0: I, so that's a good question. You know, I remember taking like a speech class in high school and feeling like that was helpful. I remember thinking, why isn't this rec- like required? Cause this is honestly was probably one of the best life skills class I ever did. And I was like, wow, this, I remember thinking I got better from, from doing yeah. the, the repetitive nature of like whatever you had to talk about. And I remember kind of liking that it was, uh, the, the topics were broad, which is kind of fitting to what I'm doing now, but really after that, you know, very little, um, certainly nothing formal, um, Little presentations in college. Um, I will say some public speaking that I've done was uh, I was a tour guide at a tea company up in Boulder. Wow, and and I would uh, wear like a hairnet, it was like a horrible outfit, it was like khaki shorts, like a periwinkle t shirt, and a hairnet, and like tennis shoes. So it, you know, you 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 feel like off the bat, you don't really look Cool or hot at all. Um, and I think, kind of what you were saying about the audience, like, and again, I, I don't mean to overly generalize, all kinds of people would go on a tour like that, but there was a lot of older ladies. And I remember kind of feeling like that dynamic. It was maybe groups of 10 to 10 people, 10 to 15, and a lot of like canned jokes. It was, um, I felt like I had a few real good ones that I would use on repeat. Um, it was, it was. It was, there was some ability to sort of, to sort of ad lib, but I kind of stuck to a script probably out of nerves. Um, But I, I remember like if it was a a group of little old ladies and um, maybe their spouses, I felt pretty comfortable. But I'll tell you when some of my like roommates and friends came to watch me, I wanted to die. I literally wanted to crawl into a hole and die. Like I felt, some of it, I think I just felt kind of kind of nerdy a little bit, but, but it is, I mean, that was an example, I guess, of having to kind of command some attention and direct a tour. And there were some time constraints. Um, That's funny. I hadn't thought of that in a long time, but I don't know beyond that if I've had a lot of other, you know, time from time to time presenting something in front of a colleagues probably is the most other public speaking, nothing in front of a large group that I can, that comes
1: to mind. And did you... did you feel broadly speaking that um, everyone who attended that tour was pretty supportive of you?
0: yeah, I did. but I think it makes p- total sense what you were saying where it it's all the feeling of like people are looking at me. do they think I'm this? do they think I'm that? I think right. and I, I think that's so common and really almost wish whether it be that or or taking other opportunities for public speaking i could go back in time and not just on this tea tour but doing other things too to be like gosh what if i could just get out of my head a little bit like no one's actually thinking about me <laughs> really or and if they are to your point it's they're probably being positive
1: well i think we've all just learned that we need to wear our own hairnet when we give any <laughs> sort of public speaking
0: oh my gosh it was it was like yeah, the, it didn't help. the The look was not good. Let's just say that it can
1: even be a metaphorical hairnet, right? Maybe don't take <laughs> no. yourself too seriously.
0: That's true. It's true. Uh,
1: and and not to uh, probably not the best message, but you know, so many people, whether it's a tour of a of a tea factory or five hundred people, they're just happy. They don't have to be up there. <laughs> right. So they're, totally. They're supporting you by default yeah. as a as a general rule.
0: Yeah. What, have you? What have? I mean, when did you figure that out? was it through each time you did it or did you have an epiphany moment where you were like actually like every time i do this cuz that it seems like something you kind of learn over time or was there a moment for you where you were like wait actually people are supportive and the more i do this the more i like it when did when did you notice all that for yourself
1: well i think it's a you know i think it's it's really um a skill that should be used in a, in a team environment and a team atmosphere for the benefit of others. Sometimes people need laughter. Sometimes people need uplifting. Sometimes people need to know just how well things are going on around them. Uh, and they may not be as, as intimately associated with either the district or company level in my personal job in construction. Uh, most of our team is on a specific project. And so I mm-hmm. think a lot of, of public speaking is, Allowing people to realize, you know, the state of the company, the state of our hiring goals, the team, different markets, different, uh, different strategy and, and where the company is moving forward. And I think that brings not only awareness, but it should be a sense of uplifting and camaraderie um, mm-hmm. that, that, that I'm able to share with others. And, and so I think elements like that, uh, public speaking is, is a skill to be used for uh, for, for the betterment of, of everyone. Um, mm. and, and it just so happens that one person is usually doing it. But to me, it's it's a joint exercise. It, it, it doesn't isolate the speaker. It's sort of everyone, um, everyone being part of this cohesive whole. And there happens to be a message in the room. So I'll come back to that 25-person leadership workshop that we talked about. People mm-hmm. show up probably not sure what to expect. Right. And so... Um, we, we go around the room a little bit. I like to, in a setting like that, if you're walking in cold to a room where you don't know anyone, which is often the case, uh, I think a great thing to do for a, uh, a seminar related activity with 20 to 30 people, you need to introduce yourself to three or four people in the room before you actually start and get to know them a little bit, talk to them. They're going to be your temp poles throughout the beginning of your, of your, uh, speech until you can broaden the conversation a little bit more to, to a group dynamic. So you rely on them. They don't know it at the time, but you're learning certain elements of them, something you can tie back to to raise not only your comfort level, but make it appear to the audience that there is participation in the room. Mm. So you're how, did a, you,
0: how did you learn that?
1: It just seemed to make sense. <laughs>
0: really? Like you didn't pick <laughs> yeah. it up in some like, like public speaking for dummies book? Because As you're a, saying that, I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. But I never have heard that.
1: I'm an uneducated, unprofessional public speaker. I just, I just love it for you know. I think the the benefit, the benefits it provides, uh, wh- whatever audience or team is involved. I think it's, I think it's a powerful tool, and that four hour workshop in particular is really fantastic because people ultimately relate their own experiences, and what you have is a twenty five person dialogue taking place over the next four hours where. People feel as if they've not only networked during that time, but they've probably learned something themselves from someone else's experience. And so I simply have a few activities and uh, bookmark portions throughout the agenda to sort of keep everyone on path. But by no means is it sort of a specific uh, challenge or action item workshop. It really is a a four hour discussion and Mm -hmm. some of the most, uh, I think some of the most uplifting, interesting, beneficial, and productive things I've heard in my, in my career have come out of those. And I would like to think that people go their separate ways being better for it.
0: Yeah. Are there other, um, like tips like that, that you've picked up for yourself, either just through try, like through trying it out or, I mean, I know you haven't been formally educated, but for other people that might be listening and interested in trying to do more of this, are there other tricks of the trade you can share?
1: Well, yeah, I guess finishing with, uh, with these call it 20 to 30 person workshops. So after yeah. getting to know three or four people, you want to start off, you want to start off with, with something a little, um, a little shocking, you know, maybe, and this isn't everyone's personality, but maybe come in the room, um, and, and just make a spectacle of yourself in some way and really, really grab everyone's attention. Thinking, well, hey, give this- a,
0: give an example. What do you mean a spectacle?
1: Oh, you know, just uh, just showing up in the middle of the room, maybe running in, uh, dancing to a little bit of music, maybe uh, getting down on your knees and screaming, "Who's ready to talk about leadership?" You know, just really, <laughs> just really generating some some excitement. Talking about history, I talk about General Patton and Mother Teresa. They're both very different types of leaders. One with uh, being able to help those destitute. Um, to uh, begin chapters of her own organization in over 100 countries in the world. And then General Patton, who once cried over his pearl, handled revolvers that he missed an opportunity to kill Hitler. And uh, you have two very different types of leaders, uh, both effective in their own right. And not everyone is carved from the same cloth. But I think right. learning a little bit more about ourselves and ultimately just downright being more comfortable with ourselves mm-hmm. is what we're all looking for in this life. Some people are content to um, be engaged and, and, and feel confident in different ways. But I think the more comfortable we are with ourselves individually, the better off we are. So that's a little bit of something I might say. but. You start off that way. And to me, it's worth it, especially in a four hour setting, to go around and have an individual conversation with everyone in the room in front of everyone else. It takes people Mm. off guard because it's so unconventional. So I'll spend a minute or two talking to everyone individually in the room, and I'll use certain uh, go tos like what your favorite food is, where you've been on a trip most recently, uh, what your favorite adult beverage is. And then ultimately, that leads a connection point for me because I might have whether it's a McDonald's analogy if they happen to bring up fast food or whether it's a certain type of drink or a location I've been to before I'll think of a story that I have heard something mm. that makes sense and I'll and I'll relate that to the group and then after a while you start to remember certain things from certain individuals and you're able to pivot around move bring someone else into the conversation. And so what you're doing is you're, you're setting up the expectation for really how the next three and a half hours will go by, Hey, it's okay to talk. And now we've all learned a little bit about each other. Uh, let's have a great discussion. So I guess well, and a-
0: it, yeah, I, I as you're saying that I'm like, wow, what a great skill. And again, sounds like, did you just pick that up on your own? Did you read that anywhere?
1: No, I, I, I didn't. Um, I, I suppose it just somewhat seemed natural when yeah. you know, trying to think of the end result and, and what we're all trying to gain out of this. Now it's different in a setting where you can't have an individual conversation. Like kind of going back to the, to the beginning of our recording, I think when, mm-hmm. you, when you grow any larger than 40, maybe even 50 people, now it kind of depends. If it's a well-lit room and you have 50 to 60 people, you can still pick out certain individuals. Which, by the way, there's a stigma against that, too. Calling on people, as they say. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Make them feel comfortable. Make them feel uh, as if it's something that they can answer. And mm-hmm. don't necessarily put them on the spot. You know, say, well, you know, Michelle, like we were, we were talking about earlier, speaking to large amounts of people. And I was just wondering, as we were having this discussion, what are some experiences you've had possibly giving public speaking on your own when you set it up enough after saying the person's name with a little bit of a description, it doesn't feel as if you've assaulted them or picked them out from the group. They feel a little bit more comfortable uh, speaking up themselves. But when you get to a larger room, 50 plus, you no longer have that that individual engagement. In my mind, um, you're, like I said earlier, you're not really speaking to a person and you're not speaking to a lot of people. You're speaking to something completely different. You're you're speaking to this sort of Audio um, emotional beast where you can feel the room ebb and flow. You can hear the laughter onset. You can feel the attention, um, and so it's sort of a it's sort of a relaxing moment. I think where you you step up, you take command of the room, and you just fully embrace it. And it actually doesn't require as much moment to moment decision making as a smaller group would uh, when you're speaking to an even larger group. Because okay. you, I, I think it's more simplistic not having to consider uh, the thoughts of a few dozen or a handful of people in the room. It becomes much more straightforward.
0: Wow. I mean, it's as you're talking, I can tell it seems like you have a great deal of confidence with this now. And I know, I know just what we're talking about. I'm sure there's been probably moments of embarrassment, but is it fair to say you've gotten much more confident? Is it every time you do it? Is it? Um, like, would you say, do you, do you even get nervous anymore when you, when you do presentations, speeches, things like that?
1: I've gotten, maybe the only thing I've gotten more confident in is the point of public speaking to give people something of value. Yeah. We, the we why should never leave A lot of the fear that people have is they feel like they're just checking the box. Like, oh, darn it. I've got to go out and do this. Let's just mm-hmm. get it over with, which.
0: Yeah, totally. When you stop thinking that over. way. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Totally. And as soon as you stop thinking that way everything changes, you know, whatever you're talking about, what is the point and what is my audience hoping to get out of it at the end of the day? And I think, I think too, it's pretty evident when the speaker is off kilter with their audience, when they're not on the same bandwidth, I think it's important to really associate yourself with one's audience. If, if uh, if they're going through a certain convention or or a certain classroom routine. Back to the college example, I think it's important mm-hmm. to do a little bit of research and potentially expose yourself to as much as that as possible before you actually speak to them, so that you come from more of a point of credibility. And likewise, if it's uh, a particularly fun event, you know, I'll call it uh, uh, the the auction that we that I do for about an hour hour and a half a year in our golf tournament. If they're mm-hmm. drinking alcohol. I need to be drinking alcohol because if I'm if I'm sober right. in that environment, it's going to be completely unrelatable.
0: Right. Yeah. So so you're forced to enjoy your favorite beverage. Twist your arm, huh?
1: Twist my arm.
0: <laughs> have you ever? And I'm I'm asking this because we're talking so much about fear and people's fear around this, and and again, it sounds like we're kind of you know challenging a lot of those myths. But have you ever really like bombed? Have you ever really had a time where? Maybe you used humor and it really didn't go over well, or people said. I mean, I'm I'm just wondering because I think that's when you think about the catastrophizing a lot of us might do in our heads to say this is going to be horrible. And has that ever happened, or have you ever had an experience where you've didn't feel like it went very well?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I had a I had a presentation in downtown Denver for a the the large light rail that's been built um, across Denver. And uh, we had a small business engagement presentation. So there were probably a hundred businesses showing up or so. And it was a morning talk, which was kind of weird. Uh, I think it was at the Denver Athletic Club. Mm-hmm. And this was back when I felt I needed to study and, and remember everything because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I wanted to speak to the slides, memorize, not use notes, you know, just have it all right. in my head. And the speaker before me actually didn't finish the rest of their slides. So now I'm walking up. With, uh, with slides that I probably should have just skipped over and begun my content, but I didn't. And I made a half-hearted attempt to summarize their content to, this is the point, again, coming back to the point, why are you speaking? This was all about small business opportunity and inclusion. How can I become a part of this project? And uh, I completely railroaded it. It didn't go well. I didn't get the topic across. And then when I came to my content, um, it, it, it appeared rehearsed. And I remember sitting in my car after having put it together over the course of probably the previous two weeks and even sitting in my car that morning, trying to run through each slide, trying to regurgitate it from my memory. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're sweating, you're nervous. Uh, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't something now looking back, this was probably, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And I would have handled it so much differently uh, today in terms of what are the top two or three concepts that we're trying to get across? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just, just speaking very casually and candidly to the topic at hand, having those bullets in my mind without any type of, uh, of of attempting to remember uh, every last word. So I think that was a result of of my anxiety instead of recognizing, um, what really would have been beneficial to the audience.
0: Mm. It seems like maybe we haven't used this word, but you're talking a lot about intention Like your intention behind why you're speaking, how, how you want to come across and connect. Would you, would you use that word or can you say more about that?
1: Yeah, I think intentions is a great word for it. There's always, there's always a point to whatever you're doing, whether it's to entertain people or to inform people or to motivate people. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a combination of those three, but knowing why you're there, uh, knowing what you're attempting to convey to the audience. And, and, and what you're attempting to really get them to feel um, me is is the entire nature of public speaking.
0: Mm-hmm. And thinking about more about that and less about kind of tying it back to what we were saying before, getting to tap into that perhaps and less about our own insecurities. There seems to be something to that. Um, if I'm hearing you right, and as I'm thinking about how we learn about ourselves over time too,
1: well, it, it does, and it it's so important to be motivated about the topic in the first place. Right, you know, I I, I think that um, it's it's no different than other forms of of output. Whether you're an author or a musician, um, you have to be passionate about what you do. You can't just you can't just phone it in, and you can't, um, fake,
0: you can't fake that, right? And maybe right. that is some some enthusiasm too, right? Like tying it back to this podcast, if you're not like the audience could see through if you're not lit up about what you're talking about. Is that kind of what you mean?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, say, say a little more about humor, because I think, again, I've only seen you in those work kind of work Christmas party events, but just knowing you as a person, you like humor is one of the first words that comes up when I think about you. Um, And I always think humor is such a sign of intelligence to being able to drop witty, comments right in a timely manner, but how, how do you view humor? Do you, does it come? I mean, obviously it comes naturally just knowing you, but I mean, there's different, there's different types of humor in different places where it's appropriate and not. And can you say a little bit about that?
1: Well, I kind of leading up to our call, I didn't even know these types of humor existed, but there are evidently these categories. And I I thought it was pretty interesting reading about affiliative humor, which Apparently categorizes me completely, and it's a, it's a type of humor that you use to both benefit your existing relationships and help the onset of new relationships. I think humor is uh, is is something that that allows everyone to connect more fully mm-hmm. and more effectively and ultimately work together in a better way, or, you know, just have a good time in general, the type of people we want to spend time with. There's always some humor to be had. And I think a lot of situations can just become so, so black and white. So Spartan so regimented, especially in the dry. in, the, in yeah. the work atmosphere, so dry and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with, with setting the tone. Um, I think it makes people listen a lot better because mm-hmm. if you're always serious, then next thing you know, people are going to be listening to maybe 20, 10% of what you have to say as opposed to humor, which is entirely unpredictable. You never know when something is going to come up. And if you've set that precursor, if you set that expectation with your audience, your friends, your coworkers, next thing you know, they're going to be a lot more attentive to what you have to say because you're unpredictable and you're unpredictable in a way that people enjoy.
0: Right. Right. Do you, because, and we, I don't know if this is the right time to do any kind of impersonations. And we were just saying this is early morning. We are having coffee, but um, you, you've you done a lot of different impersonations. And I'm wondering, do you, do you practice those? Do they kind of come natural? Because um, even just going to dinner with you, like sometimes you'll just pull out these funny impersonations. And um, it feels to me like it's very, it just kind of flows out of you, but I don't know if that's the case or not.
1: I guess uh, growing up an only child I had a lot of time to play with my own voice, mess around with it a lot. <laughs> yeah. So you start to just you know you hear things and then you try to and you try to repeat them and and it's just fun. I you know you hear how someone sounds so much more of public speaking or impressions or whatever we talk about. It, I think right. it's more of having a good ear and, and not necessarily how how you sound your own level of talent. It's just being able to listen. It's being able mm-hmm. to hear and you pick up on some of those subtle. Know, local inflections and, and um, all that sort of deal.
0: Yeah. Would you ever consider in the future doing more things in a comedy realm doing I mean, where do you it sounds like oh, year after year, you've you've clearly enjoy public speaking, you've done more of it, I guess, do you have thoughts of how you'd like to incorporate that moving forward or other things you'd want to do with it?
1: Frankly, I think there are millions of extremely talented people out there that probably do it uh, for a living, and so right. so I I appreciate the the position I'm in where it, it benefits the core responsibilities of my occupation as opposed to me being entirely reliant on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I hear that
1: probably changed the dynamic quite a bit. Um, sure. so, I, so I think this this balance for me works. Uh, mm. Now I say that, but I, I, I've I've appreciated. You know the last 15 years, and um, just being able to sort of evolve and grow in my career, and I think public speaking is a cornerstone of that. I mean, certainly, certainly uh, uh, those that have had longer careers, I think, in any industry, to some extent, become more comfortable with public speaking because they inevitably grow a team behind them that depends on them, and being able to communicate with that team. You know, right. public speaking is almost more of an overly specific term to, to what we're talking about today, which is just overall communication.
0: Right, right, right. Any other things that just make you, upon reflecting on all this, just kind of help illustrate what you do enjoy about it so much and why, again, maybe just part of your vocation. And I don't mean that just, but what else do you like about it? Like, how do you feel after you do it? Um, what keeps you wanting to find more and more opportunities for it?
1: Well, I feel completely alive after Mm -hmm. any sort of public speaking engagement. And I've also gotten to meet so many people in different audiences who you get to know and maintain a a work or friendship with some type of relationship afterwards. It's been the most um, revealing networking tool of my life. And I think it's, it's also the first impression I would prefer when meeting people <laughs> coming back to I'd rather meet someone, uh, in a setting like that, as opposed to one-on-one, I, I think it yeah. describes me perfectly and it's, and it's who I am when I'm able to, um, when I'm able to get up in front of people, it's, it's the most genuine version of Chris Monitor of me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's very much well-suited to you. That's awesome. Well, I, I just want to hear more of what you're doing. And um, are there any last things you might share, just either for people that this has piqued an in interest, or people that want to develop other other skills that you you might share, or or ways to learn more about? I mean, I know you're not formally trained, but do you know of anything that may help other people?
1: Well, I just think um, that improving and finding ways to participate in public speaking makes you a more valued multidimensional individual. And it's absolutely something that people should pursue. If even with a small fraction of their time during the year, I hear about a lot of uh, people that will join a a Toastmasters or something, something of that nature. Um, That's been, I've heard that brought up a few times over the last couple of years. That's a very popular uh, group environment where you have a few people sit around, you know, in a circle, one person or two or more, Give presentations at meetings, whether it be weekly or biweekly, and it's just something to make people feel more comfortable putting together their own content, speaking in front of others, and gaining constructive feedback from their from their peers as well. But probably more suitably for um, the majority of of your listeners that are employed and you know have jobs that they love, I would guarantee you there are public speaking opportunities within your job. There, whether it be training. Uh, presenting to your business, uh, it, it comes in so many forms and fashions. I mean, you talked about giving tours, right? Uh, th- there are hundreds of ways to get in front of people and and gain some form of practice in, in delivering your message. And and I would almost guarantee that your place of work uh, has some of those. You know, sometimes too, it's just creating something from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's it's building a training related to something that. Is, is one of your core responsibilities already in the workplace. Maybe you feel like the, the overall nature of that responsibility would be better served by gaining your message out there and improving the aptitude of your employees uh, with that specific subject matter. So I think there's a lot of room for self-invention and um, just doing a little brainstorming with your own, your own position and your own perspective in your daily life. I, I guarantee you'll find those public speaking opportunities out there.
0: Well, and I've never managed anybody. Um, Sometimes I like to say I like kind of just being in charge of myself, but I I like to think that if... I'm not very good at that, by the way.
1: Um,
0: But I I mean, I have to imagine if I was managing anybody or a team, if someone came to me proactively with an idea to develop a training or a talk to help others learn a specific thing, I feel like your head would like explode. You'd be like, what? You like want to take this on and do it? And... And develop a curriculum or, or take curriculum and you be the one to do it. I mean, what an opportunity. And I, I I feel like I'd be like, wow, this is someone I would look to to take on other things then.
1: Oh, absolutely. You think about the, when we talk about performance reviews and wage increases and just how you're perceived in your own job, I think you're spot on, Michelle. I mean, think about the impression that you're. Uh, putting across by just bringing something like that up in the first place with your manager, or with your team, it's, it's always going to be very well received. You know, mm-hmm. all, all, all people are looking for is, is engagement.
0: Right. And talk about, you can't, you can't public speak and not be engaged. Is that right. fair to say? Yeah.
1: It's kind of like killing two birds with one stone.
0: Right. Right. Well, I love this. It, it, it has kind of made me think more about, just what a skill it is, how to develop it more, and even as a mom, like thinking of ways for kids to get more comfortable with it and and learn some different ways of thinking about the way we the way we frame it for ourselves. Are there any kind of last thoughts just to share? Because I just love this.
1: Find find a way to speak and uh, continue. I think um, you know building your own skill set. It's not something to be afraid of. Quite the opposite. I, I think it's something that makes us uniquely human. Mm-hmm. and it's something that that can bring us together. It's something to be fully embraced. Um, you know public speaking is is only going to become more important than ever in this connected globe that we all live in today. There are fewer barriers for people communicating now uh, than there ever have been. And it's all about you know how you present yourself, what you want to find, and how you want to develop. Certainly, there are ups and downs to all that you can find someone to, uh, to agree with you on virtually any topic and maintain right. within that realm of opinion. But, you know, I think that there are just so many more ways to to connect with others and, and find a platform to express something you believe in and, and mm-hmm. also have a chance to meet a lot of great new people. So,
0: um,
1: it's mm-hmm. an yeah, exciting time.
0: Well, yeah. And I just want to say we've, we've kind of We've kind of alluded to this, but I feel like I'm just getting more and more that it's a connectiveness, public speaking. I think often I think of public speaking, you're you're up alone on a stage and it's you and you're separate from your audience. But this has been a good reframe for me to be like, no, you're you're a connected part of the whole and everyone's there rooting for you. And if anything, you're perhaps less isolated, even though it can feel like you're singled out. So that's cool. I'm like, this, everyone should be Thinking like this about public speaking, it might change how we feel about it. So, I love it.
1: That's spot on, Michelle. I, you completely hit the nail on the head. That's that's exactly how I feel. It's yeah. as far from an isolating experience as as you can find. Hmm.
0: Oh, cool. Well, we'll have to maybe again. We've kind of joked you'd be a great person to have on more, and maybe do an evening rendition where you could, um, you know, enjoy yourself an adult beverage and maybe maybe do a few of your impersonations.
1: (laughs) Hey, yeah, like I said, I'm the Norm MacDonald to your Conan O'Brien. If you have a guest (laughs) cancel at the last minute, I'll fill in and sit on the couch next to you anytime.
0: Okay. Well, thanks, Chris. (laughs) We'll look forward to more from you.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at Michelle at EnthusiasmDiaries.com.